you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. So, Anya, what did we just watch? Well, Kevin, we just watched Law & Order UK, specifically the episode Unsafe, which aired on October 22nd, 2010, and was the fourth episode of the show's inaugural first season. And this is, uh, of course, a British version of the Law & Order procedural NBC drama. And on the surface, it's kind of an interesting idea, at least in my mind, because, you know, we have Law and Order, 
New York, which uh, the the character of the city is very much a part of the fabric and fiber of the show. So the idea of doing basically the same premise in other locales, which might make the character of those locales become integrated into the program, sounds like a very interesting idea. Yes, Professor. <laughs> You know, and, and it amused me from the perspective of I was on the internet in, like, the early 2000s when all the jokes seemed, you know, a lot of line of humor seemed to be like, ha ha, Americans take British shows and dumb them down and make them all likable and stupid for, you know, the general audience. And in this case, you know, okay, well, what's a, what's a, what's a British, what, what's going to be the British version of this American show? How is it going to change? Are they going to do things a little bit differently? Or are they just going to, like, take, like, leftover food and, like, blandly warm it up in the microwave and then slap it on a plate and throw it in front of people and say, eat this? They're going to do that. That's the thing they're going to do. <laughs> it wasn't very good. So you, you weren't a fan of this episode? Uh, no. <laughs> it's like it's like when you – it's like – how do I even say this? Like, it's like, you know, when you put too much – water in your hot chocolate you know sometimes you want to be decadent and you put you know you use milk to make hot chocolate but sometimes you're just trying to live your life and you put water in your hot chocolate maybe you put a little bit too much water in and then it just sort of tastes like a watery mess that's sort of this that's what this felt like like oh i thought i was treating myself to something but it actually just sucks and now i'm not happy <laughs> that's this episode so did you have high hopes for this idea I, I know you're you're a huge fan of the franchise. I didn't have. Well, you, so are you, Mister? Don't be and making me out to be some Law and Order nut. Wouldn't you describe some yourself? Lawhead. <laughs> wouldn't you describe yourself as just a no, mammoth Law no, and Order? No, I wouldn't. Super fan. I think we're both on the same level, which is we appreciate the show sometimes. I'm not a super fan. I couldn't. I like. I don't have a lot of details about the episodes. It's just something you watch once in a while. But you did. Well, this is Law and Order UK, as I recall. Uh, you mentioned to me that you uh, watched most of the episodes of Law and Order Los Angeles. I didn't mention that to you. We watched those together, you do. And then you mentioned to me, Kevin, what did we just watch? God, were you hallucinating during this whole thing? Is that why you were so quiet? Your eyes looked wide and you had a big dumb grin on your face. And Dick Wolf also basically did Law and Order Chicago, right? So it was a Chicago spinoff show. I didn't even, this is it Law and Order Chicago? I don't think it's called Law and Order it's Chicago. It's called Chicago PD. It's basically the same show. Is it? Uh, I've never seen it. Yeah, you're just talking out of your ass as usual. Well, I'm not as big of a fan of Dick Wolf as you are. I I think Dick Wolf uh, created a, an institution, but you know, I think the institution sort of like sort of like you know, <laughs> the Roman Empire. Maybe it it pushed its borders a little bit too far and. Uh, sort of came crumbling down as a result in terms of quality of what it was able to achieve. I, I'm not a Roman historian, so what the fuck? Yeah, obviously. About? But you know what I mean. Well, isn't that one of the talking theories? Talking about talking out of your ass. You know, isn't that one of the theories of the, why it crumbled? It, it stretched itself too far and was not able to effectively govern a lot of its expanse. And that sort of feels like a relevant thing when we're talking about the Law & Order franchise. And this so is pretty what, indicative of that. What did you think of Law & Order Los Angeles? Just... So, Since you mentioned you watched see, it. this is, oh my God. You watched it too, you fucking, oh my God. So we, um, so this, I was hoping more of for a Law & Order Los Angeles situation with Law & Order UK, and I'll explain what I meant by that. Law & Order LA is not good. 
Okay, it's it's not good. It's bad, but it brings to it sort of an L.A. sleaze that does feel sort of L.A.-ish and like this kind of like obsession with Hollywood and shit and like just kind of this overly slick feeling that sort of makes it amusing to watch in parts. Like you're going to get some episodes that are total duds, but you're going to get some episodes that are actually kind of funny and you're kind of like, wow, they should never have done this, but at least it's amusing for me in this what, Wasn't there like a character on the show who was like the main prosecutor, and then he quits his job and, and becomes, becomes a, a cop. cop. Yeah, like shit working like the that. same cases. Yeah, shit like that, which is funny. Now, now this, I was hoping it would be sort of like that, where it'd be sort of just a shit show that was off the rails, and it'd be people being like, "Oh, you know, governor," and you know, like just ridiculous, like, and and really over overdo some of the British stuff in a way that feels almost phony by trying to be authentic. So like that was what I was looking for. Over-the-top mess. And what I got was understated mess. And I'm... You know, that's... what. How, where's the fun in that? If you're gonna, if you're gonna, like... If you're gonna, like, fuck up, you know, like... So you your know, complaint is it was too good. It was... It was just boring. That's yeah, it, it was really tedious. It was really boring. You never want your show to be boring. If you're gonna fuck up, fuck up in a fun way. Do you remember? We were watching it. We watched, like, the first three minutes... And you got a phone call from a friend, mm -hmm. which you then took. And then after the call, I said, why don't we watch something else? And he said, no, no, no. Well, I'll tell you, Kevin. I mean, we've been both claiming that we were going to do a Law & Order UK review at some point. So it felt like let's at least make, fulfill one of our commitments for once. <laughs> and second of all... The previous thing we'd seen, we, we tried to watch a random episode of the show Crime Story, and that was a disaster, too. So it was like, we're going to just, it's going to keep getting worse unless we lock mm. into something. So this show, for whatever reason, they made the decision to basically reuse a bunch of scripts from yes. the American show. And from the, I believe, the early American show. Well, this episode was uh, based on an episode of the fourth season, which uh, many people might argue had the Law and Order Dream cast. You had your Briscoe, you had your uh, Logan, who's now a little bit less oh, of a dream. Oh, fuck him! Yeah, creep. Uh, you had Michael Moriarty as Ben Stone, Stephen Hill, Jill Hennessy. Yeah, that's a good squad, except for Logan, because now fuck that guy. But. Yeah, at one time I would say that would be the ideal squad. Um, we we both we we're a Ben Stone household. We're not a Jack McCoy household. Those people can't even. Ugh, they're just they 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 don't have brains in their heads. But Ben Stone people, we actually that's a little bit extreme. Isn't no, it's it? not. So if you like Sam Watterson, you don't have a brain in your head. Sam Watterson in the beginning may have been a little bit of a spicier version of the prosecutor role, but it morphed into something totally stupid, totally removed from the actual role of the prosecutor. He's constantly doing shit that's like flagrantly illegal or stupid and everybody acts like that's great. So yeah, I will fight the fucking Jack McCoy people. They don't have a brain in their head. You're taking on all comers. I'm taking them on. One of the most beloved characters Is in this he? franchise he's you revere. A, he, he just, he's just an idiot. He just goes around and sleeps with all his employees. Is, is that what we're supposed to be rooting for in this day and age? Guy who fucks all the ADAs? He's coming back. He's coming back to fuck some more. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm obviously speaking a little bit facetiously, a little bit 
exaggerating for comedic effect. His character amuses me, but it doesn't feel like Ben Stone felt like an actual character, like an actual prosecutor might be. Like, oh, this is re- this is this person seems like a somewhat realistically written. Maybe he's a little too perfect, but you know, he seems like. But Jack Jack McCoy just seems so messy, and he's always doing, like, how can we use trickery, and oh, my eyebrows are going up, and oh, I've got a scheme, and it's like, this isn't a real guy. You love Adam Schiff. Love Adam Schiff. Yeah, he's he's an icon. Love him. He feels like he feels like the realest one in the bunch. That guy's, like, not acting. He just thinks he's a, a DA. <laughs> uh, love Jerry Orbach. Obviously, uh, the late Jerry Orbach. Yeah, R.I.P. But uh, it's it's okay. So yeah, that show was was good. Early Law and Order had some duds, had some stupid episodes, but generally felt like pretty well written by and large. And you know, sometimes they'd even lose cases. That became like not a thing that would happen later on. I feel like where like you'd be like, okay, they're gonna get this guy. Like you could tell pretty pretty quickly. And and later later nowadays episodes will be like, hey, it seems like it's this crime, but actually, it's this crime. Oh, but that now it's a conspiracy. That's SVU nowadays. So, law, old Law and Order seems very sedate and very like respectable, like gentlemen yeah, and like ladies. A, it's it's like a it's a proper show. <laughs> You're so rigid in your ideas. Yes. That's the law for you. Law and order. It's all in the name. (laughs) Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <laughs> if I'm going to be legalistic about a show, it ought to be this one. So, so you know, when you, when, if you had told me, if you had come from the future and sat me down and told me, listen, all I can say about this is it's going to be pretty much very close to an early Law & Order episode. Pretty much take the same plot, same beats. But said in the UK, I would have said, oh, good, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> but it manages to be not good at all. Let's breeze so, so through this. If, if I came from the future... Why would that be the one thing I'd warn you about? <laughs> Kevin, you're you're a you're a man of uh, obsession sometimes, and maybe that would be the only thing that would pop into your head. Like ten or twenty years from now, I invent a time machine, and I travel back. An amazing scientific achievement. Do I kill Hitler? Do I save JFK? No, I travel back to about ten minutes before you watch this episode. <laughs> I say, hey, Anya. Here is the premise for this series. Honestly, what do you think? 
Seems pretty important to me. I don't know. I take this. I take mystery to me and what we do here, what we're doing right now, seriously. Maybe you disagree. <laughs> this is important work. Like what if what if uh, I came from the future to when you were like sixteen or seventeen? Oh God, well that's, now we're just getting creepy. What no, no, you, and what I are you doing there? Well, I tell you, Anya, in ten years, you're going to be living in Indiana. You're going to be spending a lot of time watching and then talking about really bad programs you don't enjoy, and you're going to be married to a man much older than yourself. I'd be like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> Where did it all go wrong, sir? You paint a bleak picture. <laughs> what kind of moves can I make to get out of this? That's what you'd be saying. Yeah. But no, I'd be I'd be telling you about the premise of a show that had already aired. Yeah. That you just hadn't had a chance to watch yet. Because you weren't really all that interested in no. it. No. That's what you have me doing. That's what I have you doing. You do my bidding. That's what this relation that's why this relationship works. So if you're the time traveler, what would you warn me about? Or what dark uh, forebodings of the future would Don't you show? Don't turn on that random episode of Crime Story because it's just, we're not going to get into it. It's going to set the set off a chain of events that we can't, we can't deal with. Wow, so you, you go for the really small stakes. <laughs> the Kevin, time travel. Aren't you not supposed to fuck with major world events or like major life events? Are you supposed to, wouldn't it be better to, oh, you, you're going to leave your... You're going to leave your wedding ring in the sofa. Don't be freaked out. It's in the sofa. It's totally safe. It's not in your driveway. You don't have to rush home from your in-laws. In fact, stay at your in-laws because your block is going to be swarmed by police and you're going to be stuck outside for hours. Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that have been a nice relief? So so you you feel that major historical events, you're not into, in, you don't believe in like the multiverse theory of time travel. I don't believe in time travel. I don't think that could be... I don't think time travel seems possible. Well, then why do you even bring it up? I'm just speaking <laughs> hypothetically. I, I thought you... you Isn't that what this is all about? <laughs> hypothetical. You pulled this big book off the shelf. Oh you blew the God. dust off. I thought you had a big plan. You thought my... Oh, Kevin. <laughs> just shut up. You thought my plan was to invent time travel? Yeah, so you, I could go back and get you interested in watching a show you'd already planned to watch. Well, I was saying that the description... I guess what I was trying to say is, before you picked it all apart with semantics, was if you if you write out this show, this episode on paper, it doesn't sound that bad, but it's it's pretty bad. That's what, that's what I was... Trying to fucking say. Jesus, try to be concise. Oh my god. Yeah, we have to be very serious on this program and just Well people die in this episode. Keep it buttoned up. Oh, they're not I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure this episode really tugged on your heartstrings. Didn't you see me wipe away a tear? Yeah, a little tear. So uh let's just let's just break that. Let's just breeze through this plot, because there's not really that much. To discuss, and let's try to solve the mystery of why Law and Order America, especially early Law and Order America, where it was a little bit more sedate than the kind of wildness of later seasons, managed to be compelling while this sort of 
is it possible that we enjoy Law and Order America more than Law and Order UK because we're Americans? I and we're not really used to the culture. I'm sure if you watched I Law and Order we, Dublin, we can, you'd be over the moon. Well, I, what would Law and Order Dublin be like? I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm Irish. You're Irish. I really enjoyed the. I enjoy the works of Tana French, the Irish author who writes the Murder Squad series, and those don't really give an accurate glimpse of Irish policing because uh, there is no central murder squad in based in Dublin that does crimes, as far as I understand it. The Gardai. Gardai? I think that's how they say it. And, You're the Irish one. Um, and so, like, but, like, I'm sure, like, there's twists you could do on it, and her books often get into, like, you know, because, you know, like, there's stereotypes about Ireland, but she gets into the modern Ireland where she talks about, like, oh, there's, like, all this land speculation, and the market went under in 2008, and Ireland had this huge uh, huge financial crisis. So, like, gets into, like, the specifics, and that's interesting because it shows you a side of Ireland that a lot of people might not be aware of. So, like, a good show should do that. It shouldn't just be the cliche. So, it's not a time travel situation, but if it's a Freaky Friday situation... And you switch minds with Dick Wolf. Oh God! The first thing you do is hire Tanya French is to showrun. Tanya or Tana? First thing you do is hire Tana French to showrun Lauren or Dublin. No, I don't. I wouldn't do. If that. it's a Freaky Friday situation, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because I want her to continue writing her books. That's what you. Know, you know, let let her do that, and maybe we don't do an Ira Dublin Law and Order. Maybe we just try to focus on making the existing properties good <laughs> instead of adding new ones and then having your two main stars keep crossing over in a way that's confusing for people who don't watch Law & Order Organized Crime. You seem very bitter. So if there's a Freaky Friday situation, you trade places with Dick Wolf, you cancel no, Law & Order Organized well, Crime. Not, you can't do that now because people have gotten invested. But maybe you try to tighten up the writing a little bit. Try to tighten it up. Stop the bullshit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I shouldn't have to watch two shows to understand what's going on. Who has that time Who or that brain that time? power? People have children. People have jobs. People are trying to keep it together. I hate I hate feeling like pressured into watching another thing. Because it's not that I want to watch organized crime. Because it's boring as hell. And I don't care about it. You've watched like what one episode? No, we we tried to get in it in it as you remember, sir. I think you mentioned something about that to me. Are you are you are you you trying to do this little fucking trickster bullshit? You hate Law and Order organized crime. I liked it better than you because I thought they were trying to do something different. Sometimes you should just stay in your goddamn lane. That's what I say. I admired I admired the ambition and the audacity. It wasn't it, it it's not ambitious. Is it, should we commend a five-year-old trying to jump out the window with sheets and, and saying he could fly to the moon that way? No, we should caution him. This is Star Wars prequels versus Star Wars sequels. Oh, the sequels had no ambition. They just tried to do the same thing the original movies had done. And to some extent they succeeded, but they're kind of dull, empty, soulless films. The prequels tried to do something different didn't quite succeed, but each time you go back and rewatch them, they're, they're more no, rewarding. No, this is Law & Order sequels plus prequels because it's totally soulless, but also trying to do something that the show in itself cannot sustain. So it's 
worst of both worlds. It's like a low-rated prequel. Would that be like Lenny Briscoe is a young man in New York? I would watch that. Yeah, that would be great. Young Lenny Briscoe getting a start Okay, maybe if I switch places with Dick Wolf, I just... Freaky Friday situation. Freaky Friday situation. I'm going to do a Lenny Briscoe uh, property from, from the old days. And, you know, I'll... That, get like charismatic young Broadway actor to play. Could yeah. this be like the seventies? Yeah, I guess so. That would be wild. Young Lenny, <laughs> Lennon order. <laughs> yeah, the city's falling apart. Crimes on the increase. Only one man stands between us in total chaos. And like Adam Schiff could be like a young prosecutor. You could get like some people, maybe Van Buren, starting out at some point. That sounds great. Retro Law and Order, that's where the future is. Nostalgia. Time travel. (laughs) Time travel. We figured it all out. No worries, everybody. (laughs) So what was the plot of this Law and Order UK episode? We're about 20 minutes into this. Yeah, we haven't even talked about it. Um, Basically, if I could sum it up, it's, as Kevin said, American Dream is the original US episode. And, um... A, the the cops discover a, a a skeleton. It starts prom. Well, actually, guy who looks you know I, I joked that it was Gary Drayton from Curse of Oak Island, but guy metal detecting along the river, the Thames, as they say, finds a dead body wearing a fancy switch watch. It's skeletonized and it's been there for years. And they try to the cops who is play. We actually had to turn on subtitles for one of them because. Uh, we couldn't understand his accent at all. It's like a cheeky young cop and an older cop who's, like, I guess, the Lenny Briscoe cop. The cheeky young cop, of course, is Apollo from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean uh, Richard Hatch. No. I mean the Apollo from the uh, early 21st century program. Yes. Uh, you kind of see a couple of people like that in this where you're like, oh, I know them from that. Um, and so they, they're on the case. They're trying to figure out who the hell this John Doe is. And they figured out pretty quickly that it's a dude named David Ackroyd based on him owning that specific watch. And uh, apparently his murderer is already in jail. There was a no-body conviction back in the day. And it was uh, prosecuted by one James Steele, who is the crown prosecutor, who's the Ben Stone of this universe. And... Uh, turns out it was like a dot-com bubble, business gone wrong. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, but it was a business dealing gone wrong. But the problem is this this uh, this victim, Ackroyd, has been shot in the head. And the witness in this case said that the murderer claimed to have slit his throat. And also, he's not buried where they said he was. They said he was buried in Chelsea, and it turns out he's he's he's, he's on the river. And this, I think, is an interesting premise because we're supposed to really love Ben Stone and admire his ethics. We're supposed to, uh, presumably, I couldn't give a tinker's damn about Jamie Steele, but I imagine, is it Jamie Steele? James Steele. You're, like, being familiar with him now. I just spent, like, 45 minutes with that asshole. But we're supposed to admire him. Uh, Wouldn't it be interesting if it was a wrongful conviction and the person that the attorney we admire put away was actually innocent. Yeah, that would actually be a more interesting premise because it could indicate that even with a prosecutor who really believes in their job and, and does a good job and is smart, 
mistakes can be made and miscarriages of justice can happen because the system can sometimes work against people in a way that's unfair. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the prosecutor themselves are evil, but it can mean that the system doesn't always work properly, and that's an interesting investigation. But these shows, I mean, these shows don't want to have those kinds of conversations. They don't want to go to that gray area, and in fact, they have the the police character say, well, we looked at all the files, and this guy's guilty. He's guilty. And so that set, that settles the matter. And of course, the guy no ambiguity. The guy in this is played by the same actor who plays Sir Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones. So apparently, which I've never seen. Apparently, he's uh he's drifted far from Khaleesi in this because he's on trial for some dot com murder, and he he's of course acting the most sinister and sleazy he can. Like, oh, hello, I'm uh, I'm Mister Slade. <laughs> he's rubbing his hands together practically twirling a mustache so it's really over the top you know he keeps kind of coming out of nowhere and sneaking up on people he's like a sneaky snaky guy <laughs> and we're we're not supposed to feel like there's any ambiguity here yes which would make for the more interesting story i also personally i love a good kind of like nemesis story where it's like this guy was so evil i put him away it was a proud moment in my career as a prosecutor, and now he's evil, and he's gotten out through some technicality and, uh, you know, what's going to happen because this defined my early career, and, and I, I have to work to put him back in because I, I owe it to the victim's family. So, like, that's also uh, maybe a less interesting story, but still an interesting story if done well. But this just, I don't know. Well, so at one point, you know, I tried to get out of, out of the show three minutes in, and then about 20 minutes or so after that, Kevin, I looked at you. Kevin actually no, no. started podcast editing during the show. He was that bored. And I, I sat through some time traveling. I was actually editing this podcast <laughs> while we were watching, before you we even recorded it. You can airdrop it to yourself back in time. <laughs> yes. But uh, I even said to you, this is really bad. And you said, yes, but let's discuss why it's bad. So tell me, why did you feel... What did you have in mind when I said that? To me, it just seems like it's like, it's like it, no flavor, no personality. It's very weird. They're reusing old scripts. They're not, uh, the characters don't really seem to have relationships with each other. So when they try to banter or something, it just comes off awkwardly. Maybe there's a uniquely British way of bantering or interacting with uh, your colleagues that may have been more appropriate than whatever we saw here. Yeah, I don't think the issue is... I Maybe maybe certain things could be attributed to a cultural gap between us and the characters, us being Americans, them being British. But I, I generally think... It, it seems more that it was a cultural gap in terms of the people who initially wrote the Americanized episode. Yes, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. That it feels like something got lost in translation because maybe I, I don't watch a lot of British crime shows to be honest, but I, I've heard good things about a lot of them, and maybe there's more of like a Broadchurch was right, great, right. Uh, MI6 was uh, something I enjoyed. So maybe there's more of like a, a richness there. Maybe the police procedural, you know, needs needs British people writing it initially because maybe the the patterns and sort of uh, beats. In, in, in an American one won't translate well to that. Because obviously, I mean, like, these actors have been in other stuff. It's not like 
it's I mean it, it's I, I don't think it's all they're all hacks I just think they're maybe working with stuff that it's just not quite clicking and it, and honestly it made a lot more sense to me once once you said that it was based on an American one because I was thinking why how the, why the fuck is it you know like there's no passion here at all I believe this uh, script I may not be pronouncing this correctly but it was adapted by the British writer Chris Chibnall who uh, currently is the showrunner for Doctor Who. And before that, he created and wrote uh, Broadchurch. Uh, the first season of that I thought was terrific. Yeah. Uh, the second season on, I thought was unwatchable. And I I bailed out after like an episode. You said that currently Doctor Who is also unwatchable. Uh, I only watched it for a few episodes of it. I thought it was, uh, yeah. It's pretty bad. Right. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it, it seems like... I don't know. I, I mean, it just seems like something didn't quite click. There's something that seems much more authentic about the episode, the American version. And I guess it, it was written by Americans and then... After this episode was over, we watched a clip of the yeah. American version. And we watched it and it's like, it just feels more like lived in for some reason. So I don't think it's necessarily... Though all the actors sucked, or oh, like you know, they didn't know what they were doing. It's just like they're tr trying to translate something that maybe just shouldn't be translated. Maybe it's too basic. I guess an, an interesting example would be the British show Broadchurch was adopted to an American show, even using one of the same mm -hmm. uh, lead actors. And by all accounts, the American version uh, was much worse than the British version. Yeah. Did you watch either? Did not watch either. But I heard I always heard good things about Broadchurch. Pretty good program, for uh, a season at least. Yeah, it, it it's it sort of feels like certain things don't really need to be adapted, you know, like and like maybe just watch the original version, or do something completely different. Yeah, Law and Order London could potentially be a very good show. Yeah, because listen, I mean, I've I've never been to London, but it would be kind of cool to see a crime show where that I mean. That's a, that's a, where it's maybe like for American fans of law and order, it's an introduction to like, oh, here's this new culture and here's how things, here's how uh, policing works here and here's how it's a little different. You know, here's how prosecution is different. Here's, you know, like in, in America, you have things like the death penalty or, you know, very, you know, various uh, elements of our legal system that are differ quite a bit in Europe. So, you know, maybe maybe lean into the differences rather than just kind of rehash the same thing with the same exact plot. Yeah. So the guy gets exonerated of the crime he was originally convicted of, partially because the key witness against him disappeared. And then they say, well, wait a minute. What if he played a role in that disappearance? So they go and talk to one of the cellmates, and it turns out, yeah, he ordered the killing. And so they get him for that. The end. Here's another thing in the in a good Law and Order episode, I feel like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of the detectives or even the even the ADAs wandering around New York City, going to different people, talking to different people, and maybe at first it keeps you guessing about the true nature of the crime, you know, whether it be like, like you know, like the John Mulaney bit about like a guy stacking boxes in a car as he talks to the cops as if like that's a normal thing, like but like you talk to those people and you check in. And, and it's kind of this ridiculous version of New York City where it's like, you know, a tough town. But 
that's kind of fun because you're kind of, it's like twisting around and they're piecing together information and then it's like dun dun and like that switches, you know, to the, to the next scene. So it, it feels very fast paced. It feels very brisk. This did not feel brisk. At one point, about 30 minutes in, you sighed this awful, depressed, sad sigh. And you turned to me and you said, how much longer does this have? And it was like 11 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, but it, the other ones keep you, maybe the, maybe, again, maybe this story that, you know, got got on both sides of the Atlantic, maybe it's not terrific, but it, like, if you edit it and cut it and direct it in a way, that could make it interesting. You know, that could kind of keep some, a, a viewer engaged. And they, it just seemed too languid on, on, on this one. And, and the cops, the cops didn't really seem like they were, like, for a lot of it, they weren't really investigating. It felt like they were just more of like running errands for the prosecutor. Yeah. And one of the prosecutors was one of Doctor Who's companions. Yeah, Martha. Yeah. So, you know, people have been in other stuff. You got Joram, Mormont, Martha, Apollo. So some that, you know, in that sense, you're like, oh, it's those people. But it's just, you don't really feel like you get to know these characters that much. And Martha didn't even get a wig. Is that some weird sexist thing, or is this because she's not the chief barrister or something? I don't know. Should, should you explain? The, the the British people wear wigs in court. Much the way that you and I wear wigs when we podcast. Yeah, you can't see it right now. Maybe we'll do a selfie for the Instagram. <laughs> I was teasing Kevin that he wants a, to be able, he's a lawyer, so I was like, he wants to be able to wear a wig and... American court, and then he snapped at me that he didn't want to talk about it on the show. Tears glinted in his eyes. A dream unrealized. You want to wear one of those little wigs, don't you? Those dashing little little wigs. Gonna ice me out here? Your wife? Your podcast partner and co-host? So do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> we actually bought the complete uh, season one, but which because it's a London sh- British show, there's seasons, they call them series, and there's only a few episodes. So the complete series, season one, is like, what, only like six or seven episodes? Yeah. We're not going to watch anymore, are we? I mean, if this episode really blows up in terms of listenership, then yeah, we're going to do all of them. It's not going to happen. I'm so crass. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would doubt. I would doubt. I'd sooner watch Cop Rock again. Yeah, I'd sooner watch Cop Rock. Because at least Cop Rock, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. You truly are just sitting there, transfixed. Not sure what's going to happen next. Much like any evening with you. Aw. All right, well, uh, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, bang the gavel on this one? I just want to remind you, I tried to stop it twice. Oh, my God. Oh, the poor martyr. Then you all remind oh, Kevin, how much longer does this even have? Wah. A little crybaby. You're a crybaby. That's what that's what the banter of this episode has been reduced to. I'm gonna... You're a crybaby. You're a crybaby. <laughs> I hope your fucking wig gets lice in it. I would say that the episode Unsafe indicates that Law & Order UK is weak English breakfast tea. 
Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O.